So me, Claire and Seresh are here this evening to ask Seresh what it's like being a parent. I was going to say a new mom, but you're not a new mom. You're a veteran now with your second one. So we're going to we're going to ask you what life has been like. So I will hand it over to the other two to give a quick intro. I'll just say hi and pass it over to Sarah. It's Claire. Hi, it's Sarah. I feel a bit like in limelight, not really used to that. So I hope you both go gentle on me <laughs> with the question. And I look forward to talking about this. I think this is going to be really good. I was going to say, obviously, like the, the viewers know how many kids you've got and what their names are. But you do have two boys now and... I think my first question is going to be for, I was going to say for Gibran, like he can answer, like he's here to answer it. But um, when you were pregnant with Gibran, obviously we were going into a pandemic and he was born at the start. Kind of like what was your thoughts and feelings during that time? Because I know when you were due, my anxiety levels were through the roof because I just wanted everything to be okay and I know that with all of the different regulations and everything I know it was it was it felt scary for me and that's just as your friend so kind of like how was it for you delivering your first during that time if you think about it I think it was like very unexpectedly frightening because I I thought I thought I was already scared of the whole birthing process and I thought I tried not to think too much about it because uh, some people are like that they go on and they watch birthing videos and stuff like that. I can't do that I, I have to like really just bury my head in the sand a little bit I know the basics but I don't go watching videos and stuff like that I kind of just trusted my instinct and I thought okay everything's gonna be fine and I'll do whatever I need to do physically and mentally to prepare myself but I felt like I mean most of my pregnancy I was still working at the university and I think as soon as my contract ended there um I, I I mean I finished and I had a month I think in January when I finished there was the pandemic was slowly starting and we heard news about it in different parts of the world and where it had begun and I think everyone wasn't taking it that seriously and it was just like a thing and people were like oh there's something happening in East Asia okay but um, as rapidly as it spread, I think, and when the contract and I was in my house, I was proper in my nesting sort of instinct pairing, and then it kind of just hit me, like, oh my god, this is really happening. We are isolated. Like, I mean, it's it. I think over the course of a month or two, everything changed, and it felt like such a new experience. And I think it was probably frightening for everyone but then I was scared that I was having a baby how it's going to be what's going to happen will I be able to go in um how will it be will Saad be able to my husband will he be able to come with me in the birthing room which was eventually a problem when we went there when I was having my contractions they said that I had to be fully assessed first if I was in active labor otherwise my partner wouldn't be able to come in so I was in pain and I was running around by myself in there uh, and Saad was outside and he had to wait and he didn't know when he would be able to come in. Saad later on, he told me during the whole labor, of course, I don't remember most of it, just the pain. <laughs> but um, Saad said to one of the, the midwives, oh, I'm so exhausted because Saad was 
my birthing partner, he was a brilliant birthing partner. He, he actually stood the whole night because the birth was a night birth. He just asked the midwife if he could nib out for a bit of fresh air. And um, the midwife said, if you go out, you won't be able to let come in because the regulations are so strict. And I went into labor 6th of April, um, uh, 7th of April night. And I think we had just hit lockdown end of March, I think. I remember Claire's birthday being in, in lockdown already, uh, end of March, second, third week. That was scary because, and she said to him, you just open the window a little and you can have a bit of fresh breath air. It was scary. But I think, and I, I, I just want to refer to one of my reviews that I did last year for 2020, and people can go back and read on, on our page that and I wrote about it that the beginning was very scary but the isolated in later on when everyone was kind of shut off it was it was sad that maybe people weren't able to come and see the baby but for us as a family as a new family it was a very precious time we were able to build a very strong foundation as a family and as parents if we're talking about being a parent I think we got to be very we got to be there for each other and Saad and I we were able to experience ourselves in that parenting role really concentrate on being parents and I think the society as well as working environments and everything they don't let parents be for a bit especially fathers I think mothers are still sometimes given that space to to, to establish themselves as a mother but fathers they have like limited paternity and then they have to kind of just adjust alongside and I think because he was working from home, it was very special that he was able to, in that period of COVID, to really have that time with his little one and to be looking after myself as well. Special, diff different, difficult, but I'm always going to remember it. And I think Gibran, when he's going to grow up and tell people his date of birth, people are going to be like, hmm, April 2020, there was something there. Oh, the, the first lockdown. <laughs> So <laughs> I think we got through it and we got to take the best parts out of it, learn from it, grow from it, I think. Yeah, that was a very long answer. I'm sorry for bringing no, through that. That was great. <laughs> uh, that was a great question. And thanks for sharing that. And obviously, as your friends, we're just immensely relieved that everything happened safely and that you're okay. And Gibran, well, and Roshan are safely in this world. Just a slightly different topic for your second question. What do you enjoy about being a parent or like being a mother? Okay, I think that's a very interesting question because mostly we talk about the challenges and what changed everything. And I think that I, I haven't really talked about this, but I think, I think just seeing a little human grow up and becoming into a person and really developing a personality um preferences and I think every, I, I feel like as parents whenever you see there's like a little milestone that the child achieves even if it's a tiny little thing it fills your heart as a parent it fills your heart with so much joy it's almost really OTT a little like it's almost like oh my god yeah okay he did that like what's with it but I, I don't know I remember Roshan for example when he I mean babies in the beginning they're not able to communicate much with their face right they're not able to really 
tell or, or, or um, I don't know show show gratitude or smile I, I feel like the smile gratitude comes later but smile I think when, when we see a child smile it fills our heart up but in the beginning babies are not able to do that right they, they take some time and when they when 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 the child smiles at you for the first time it's just like they recognize me and and actually you know they they know you from like way back when you were in the womb but the way when they smile or when they i don't know as our fan started doing something really funny with it he blinks when you blink at him it's really funny and it's really cute and these kind of small things they make you so happy but then when i see my toddler he's now two and a half a bit over two and a half the way he's communicating now he's putting little words together, trying to form a sentence, trying to make sense of the world. I feel like as an adult, you kind of sometimes, I think children are able to give you a whole new perspective on the world. They're able to make you rethink or re, like, reevaluate your whole perspective on things. I mean, for example, my, my toddler is in the age of where he gets a bit jealous sometimes of his brother and then he can get sometimes a bit aggressive. So I would always tell him like gently to your brother, gently, gently. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. And then I don't know, one time I was so frustrated with baby and I don't know, I got really frustrated. I was muttering and I was being really angry, right? And then my and my toddler came to me and Jabra was like, Mommy, gently, gently, baby, gently. And he was saying this to me and it just hit the nail on the head. I was like, I've been saying this to him all the time. I should be doing this too. And then I said, no, you're right. Gently. I should, mommy should be doing it gently. And I think in that moment, it's really important for an adult to see that we're not better than children. In fact, sometimes I feel like if the world was led by children, it would be a better place. But <laughs> these kind of moments, they make you realize that you have such a huge responsibility. You're you're a mirror to these kids you I feel like rather than teaching them or doing everything for their upbringing is you're actually kind of trying to improve yourself so they improve because they're going to mirror you so it's almost like a test it's almost like oh am I really doing those things that I want in my that I want in my child for example regulating emotions like I for example started to really look at myself trying to reevaluate okay how do I do things because I see different things in Japan and I was like why is he doing this and then I realized oh I do this for example he started to, to say sorry and but just randomly he just starts to say sorry without knowing what sorry is and I understood that I say sorry way too much in order to be able to know the, the meaning of saying sorry like oh, you don't have to say sorry we're just going to do it gently and when I need the story, we're going to talk about, okay, what's story? So it's new, it's difficult, I'm learning myself, but little joys, one at a time. <laughs> Thank you so much for this question. It's interesting. I love and that I answer so much. <laughs> Sorry to drum. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Now, I think my question kind of follows on from this slightly, but is there any, because obviously you've been through the baby stage with Jim Brown already, he's almost... Um, is it is it the terrible threes or is it the terrible twos that is going through? Trying to think what what do the call is terrible yeah. twos? So going through the baby stage with Roshan now, is there 
anything that you're learning that you wish you knew or did going through the baby stage with Gibran? There's lots, actually. I feel like I did with Gibran that I I did differently with Roshan. Firstly, what's funny is when I was holding Roshan as a newborn, I felt like, oh, my God, I have a baby in my hand. Like, it felt really weird. I felt like, oh, my God, I've got a baby in my hand. I don't know what to do. Even though I had one, right? And and then I was asked to try breastfeeding. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so out of that. I don't know how to do it anymore. I forgot everything. And then I, I called the midwife and I asked her like, how is it done again? I don't know how to do this. I'm so confused. And it was really strange because I thought like, I just had a child. I should be able to do this. But I think I slowly got the hang of it. I think at that time it was also just emotions and just being tired from the birth and blah, 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 blah. I think I was much more confident with Roshan. Of course, I had gone through the process, but I feel like the first, month or two they're always really hard because you're very sleep deprived you are low low on energy um because of losing so much blood from the birth and then also the postpartum bleeding and then um just emotionally all over the place basically and I had very bad separate separation anxiety from Gibran so and I, I don't really speak much about this but I think it's really important that we speak about this emotionally I wasn't able to connect with Roshan in the beginning um, because I was having so bad separation anxiety from Gibran that I felt like, oh, I want nothing but to be with Gibran. And it was the first time me being away from Gibran because he hadn't done any nurseries or we've been together the whole year with the pandemic and everything. It was just him and me basically all the time. There was no other family, nothing. So we were a bit like slightly bit too close. That's probably also one of the reasons why he struggles with nursery these days and just cries. But I mean, I was more confident with Roshan doing more practical things, being able to assess sleep schedules and um, being a bit more relaxed when it came to, okay, things are not working out. But I also think every child is so different and they have so different needs. I, I thought it would all be the same, but I, I, I think that was wrong of me to think because um for example our breastfeeding didn't work he had a, something called a tongue tie um that people can go and look up if they want to um and he wasn't able to breastfeed because of that and that was very difficult for us I wasn't able to accept it emotionally that it didn't work I thought I was a failure as a mom so we weren't able to connect and I think me accepting that I'm, st- I'm still a good mother if he if he doesn't breastfeed it's not really up to me I think processing all these things took a long time I think just giving every child that opportunity to grow in that direction that they need to grow I know mine are still really small but and I tend to sometimes compare them which I shouldn't because they're so individual but yes I do think there's so many things that I learned and I did easier. Like, I don't know, for example, a really funny example. Do you know those little baby glasses when it says like from 10 months or from six months, from four months? I don't believe in that anymore. I think if a child can eat, they can eat anything. This needs to be safe according to the age. And I don't really, I used to go for purees all the time. I didn't do that now. I did baby led weaning. I'm not going to go too much into these little words right now, but whoever's interested, they can they can go find out themselves. I think I was a bit more chilled. But when people see me, they think I'm not a chilled mom. I'm just overly obsessed with my children. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, but I do think this is such a good question. Like, I could go on, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up for this one. <laughs> we did touch on this before, and this was even before you had Roshan Darsh. I think me, uh, you, and uh, Sabrina, and Sadie, and Adrian. I don't know, maybe Hazel were on this episode. We're just kind of like yeah, chatting. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I remember it was the qu- something. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was a great pregnancy. Yeah, something like that. And so you brought up societal mm-hmm. pressure, and it's like. I don't even know how to articulate this question because it's so freaking complicated because I think it's fair to say if you are a woman in any culture, in any society, it's impossible to escape. If you don't have family pressure, then you're at least going to get societal pressure. Like even if you don't Mm. want kids, you want kids, something's going to pull at you like, oh, you're ex age. Well, you should be thinking about this. You don't want kids (laughs) now? Oh, you're, you know, there's something that's Mm. always stacking up. And so how did that impact you and how, yeah, just what are your general opinions about it? You can be as personal as you want or, you know, just talk about it generally. I I was having this pressure since the very beginning. I mean, in South Asian culture, and I think we, I remember we talked about this South Asian culture. This is a thing. Um, as soon as you're married, so start marriage right away. Having children before marriage is frowned upon culturally, but I mean, I personally don't have an issue with that. If someone has children before kids, uh, before marriage, but just culturally, um, I, I I was facing this pressure for a long time because I was married seven years before I had my kids. But I, I, I wasn't ready to have children. I, I knew what it took. <laughs> so I really needed that space for myself. I really needed to build that relationship with my husband. I wanted to travel with him, which I did. I wanted to do my studies, my work, and kind of find foot in England as well. Just, just building my own identity here, which I did. And I think I, I, I still believe that was the right decision. If I had had a kid right away, then... He or she would probably be 10 now almost but because next year we're going to be married 10 years the societal pressure is always on really weird things and and it really I, I would use this word it haunted me because how much I tried to resist it I tried to reason with people I tried to say okay I want or even in a humorous way I mean within my community it got to this point where people thought I wasn't able to have children and started to give me remedies about what to do and stuff like that, very invasive stuff. So I I don't feel like at that point, socially, I had this pressure yet because I'm still young. But I think as a woman, as we head towards the 30s, that the pressure comes on and people start questions about oh are you thinking of having children not not like mean things not saying that but just like the conversation opens up you know and people want you to talk about it whereas sometimes you don't really want to talk about it I mean I would just say yeah maybe later blah 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 I I, I feel like questions around having children or having not children are very personal and I would want only to talk to my close friends and family about that close family close friends and I think some people are very entitled about asking these questions and I think they should really shut up I'm sorry but there's no other way to say it because who are you to ask me this kind of personal question who are you in my life that you are in a position to ask me what if I want to have children or not I mean it could even be that I'm not able to have children and it's this conversation is super painful for me and it's 
really tearing me apart inside. I mean, that could also be because I have a friend who who didn't have children and wanted to have children for a long time. We had lots of conversations about infertility. She was still blessed with a kid after 10 years of marriage, which is lovely for her. And I'm so, so happy for her. But I have seen her suffer because for her, it was the other way around. For me, I, I mean, I also had a miscarriage. I know what it, what it was like uh, before Zebran and had some procedure done with an ectopic pregnancy. But I know how much she suffered from those social and cultural and these pressures, all these pressures. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a society, we think that women's bodies are somehow not their own. And I think women should be in, I feel like still, even though we, we, we think we are so progressed, women are not given the autonomy over their bodies to be able to decide how they should look or how they want to look, how they, what they want to do, what they want to do with their lives, if they want to have children or not. I mean, if you think about it, men are able to have children as well. They're not asked these questions because they're physically not bearing the children. doesn't mean that they're not their children. Because societally, socially, we actually expect the, the women to give everything up. And they know it. That's why they ask it. They know, oh, then she's not going to get back to her career. And, and, and women are not paid in the same way when they go back to their, to, to their jobs after, after a break. Or people look at the CVs and whenever it says homemaker or, I mean, I was recently updating my CV because I'm going to start posting things. I felt really afraid. What am I going to put down in these two and a half years? What am I going to tell? Like, I have, as a mother, I have, for an employer, I don't have any skills for them to give. But from my personal experience, the experience I had in the past two and a half years, what I have learned, are way more than a year of working at university. But socially, that's not accepted, right? So, um, I mean, I delved a bit further on, I mean, you were talking, you were asking about something else, but that's something that I think this conversation needs to open up. And there needs to be more support around this because it's just, it's just miraculously accept, expected of women to just raise these humans, do everything at the long side, work and look after them and manage the household. And those expectations are not the same for men. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Sarah. That I'm blushing, was... right? You're being too kind, honestly. <laughs> no, we really value you sharing that. And I, I know there just is a ton in there, which frankly, yeah, I agree with you. Like it just needs to be more openly talked about. But I think re- I just wanted to really quickly say maybe something for next time that you touch upon is, gosh, I don't even know what the right expression is. This equity of household work is, yeah. I think, needs to be talked about. And household work, I mean, in the sense of like, yeah, doing chores, whatnot, and also like the emotional labor and also just stereotypes, like, you know, even in little conversations, like when you're talking with your colleagues or I guess even friends, family, oh, um, like, what do you, what do you need to do this weekend? Oh, like the cooking and household chores. Okay. Who's going to get it done? Okay. Just assume that the woman is going to do it all. It just goes down in so many deep levels. And I know it came up when we met at yours. This is just so frustrating. It must be multiplied when you have a child as well like and I mean in terms of like getting complicated but I just wanted to bring that up because 
it's just really frustrating. I don't even we have talk about this all the time. I mean, I feel like even if that doesn't like, sometimes he does things unconsciously where I I understand. Or I try to understand that he, as well as me, we both were raised in the patriarchy. So he know he knows his benefits the same way white people know their benefits when they're with people of color, right? So he, as a man, knows and sometimes consciously and sometimes subconsciously but I don't know I mean we as as a family we function in a way where we have divided roles at the moment but we nip into each other's roles wherever we can and help like for example at the moment we are doing things very traditionally because I I'm not able to work with two children and Saad is fully financially looking after us. And I have said, I will look after food but um, and cleaning and looking after the house. But we do things together as much as we can on the weekends, the main cleanings. And I do the day-to-day stuff, whereas on weekends we do other things around the house together. Or It's about just finding that balance between your, your partner or, um, I mean, we as parents, coming back to that, we are juggling sometimes and I think with these chores and looking after kids it is also strange on uh, it, it, it is also a strain on a, a relationship as well and I think that was really important for me to mention in this episode because parents are not just magically parents together they have to find each other as parents again because as partners, we know each other for so long, but now we have to accept each other as parents as well. We have to, I mean, Sad and I, we have to almost let each other grow that new part, the new identity, or me being able to let him be the father that he wants to be, and he, him letting me, the mother that I want to become, and then almost finding a, like a, I don't know how to say in English, I just learned in German right now, oh crap. Um, <laughs> But just finding that together past, oh, that was a really bad word. You, can anyone help me? Anyways, just finding the golden the mean co- almost. What, what the cohesion, the balance. I'm trying to think oh, thank of you. My English isn't word. even that good either. <laughs> uh, no, but I think everyone who's listening probably understood what I meant. So in that sense, gender roles, I mean, however they work for you, if they work for you, they, that's fine. But it's just, we have to talk about how it's just socially accepted for women to do all these kind of things, having children, managing. And I feel like mental load, that I, I feel like people are t- more and more talking about this. And I think this is so important because it is true, the mental load. Oh, are we are, this is just a, a running to-do list that keeps updating from the bottom like a magical list and it's just running in a woman's head like this needs to be done this needs to be done um and I think that is so draining and that is taking so much mental space in your head no wonder that as women we are sometimes just burnt out from looking after a home that there's no more capacity to to develop personally or professionally I, I get daunted by the fact that I really want to get back to work, but I feel like, how the hell am I going to manage that? I, I won't be able to unless my partner and I have that conversation and we find that golden mean, I think I used that earlier, that balance, thank you, Sabrina, to 
to how to manage everything together so everyone can kind of flourish in their own space. I think it's going to, for us, it's going to get better when the kids are a bit bigger and less dependent. So, so important stuff. Really important stuff. There's a lot that I want to ask, but I really want to ask this question. What's it like raising two boys? Because um, Gibran's the one that's learning to to speak right now. So you've got a bit of time with Roshan. But what, okay, I'll just speak about kids in general. What's it like raising kids bilingual mm. English Urdu and German and in terms of like the origins of the languages they're quite different so like how do you yeah. how do you manage that I put my focus on Urdu because Urdu I, I felt like um, I was very grateful that my mum taught us Urdu even though I was born and raised in Germany and my German probably wasn't that good in the beginning, but it's fine now. And English, I think it'll come. And even now, I mean, I I, I see it from Zidane. He's speaking English all the time. He speaks Urdu a little bit, but mostly he speaks English from the cartoons and now the nursery as well. So English is going to come eventually. The reason I thought um, and I felt personally that Urdu was really important was in terms of its identity. I really wanted him to be able to maintain and have some sort of relationship with his identity. Because I think my language skill helped me to connect to my culture and to anything that has to do with South Asia or, because I think it's really difficult to be part of a culture but not grow up in that culture. So parents create some sort of environment at home and and kind of let children partake in that so they can learn from themselves what is important to them and of course what's important for um, the parents for their children to experience and just technically in terms of language I, I don't really think it's just about language that's why I'm talking about culture here because for example I've got a lot of family who grew up outside of Pakistan and don't know how to speak Urdu they are very disconnected from us as a family as well. And not that it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that you don't know a language. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine. They always wished they had known. They always were, they always wished that there was some sort of connection and that they almost feel like, okay, something's missing. And I'm always very grateful that even though I'm not very close with my extended family, I'm still able to somehow communicate that. And I think language is also, I think language does not only communicate words, it communicates feelings, it communicates culture, but also just the simple fact that when I speak in Urdu, my tone is different. My, the ability of my tongue is different. And even from a scientific view, I, I do think raising children bilingually or multilingually is really good for their brain they will be able to to experience the world from different viewpoints from different perspectives and that's why it was so important for me for and that's why at home we mostly speak Urdu whereas I recently started to speak more English just out of habit now coming to the German I do sometimes speak German with Gibran not too much Uh, I wished I did it more 
I have to admit that I'm not sure how to do it in terms of keeping keeping a balance with Urdu. What was very surprising, though, um, um, just recently I was in Germany for three weeks with my kids, both of them. And I was surprised how quickly children pick up language because when we came back, he used so many German words. He knew what they all meant. And even if I speak in German with my sister, with my brother on the phone, he understands most of it. And it's very surprising the way, even if children don't really use the words in a particular language, how much they actually understand. They say that actually they, children can speak up to 40, 50% of the things they actually know. So that's so much more. So in that sense, raising children bilingually, I, I think it has its advantages. It might happen that later on, when schools start, that it may seem to our white education system that our children are not ready for, I don't know, they're not able to pronounce things properly or they're not able to form sentences grammatically correct. But I won't see it like that because they have other experiences, other, there's a word for it, they, they have other cultural competences and lingual competences that our education system won't know and won't accredit as well. Children who speak two languages, let's say 60%, they still speak 120% language, right? So actually they know more, um, but that's not seen. Uh, they are always compared to, to those who are accepted by the system. <laughs> Raising a child has so many dimensions and I thought it was really good to dive into the, the bilingual sort of, in the lingual sort of um, perspective. Then I was thinking about, because you mentioned two boys, right? So I, I was thinking about, okay, I'm raising two boys. What do, what kind of, what kind of mum do I want to be in terms of breaking certain vicious cycles of patriarchy? How can I do that? kind of and I do hold power in my hands if I want to I know that there's certain things I won't be able to change but there are certain things I can change simple things small things like pick up your own dishes or wash dishes or clean the floor it's as much as your job and I, I wish that I had a boy and a girl <laughs> that they would be able to perform these things equally. I, I know that in, in many households that, that that is normal, but in many it isn't as well. In terms of gender, I think is a huge responsibility. How are we gonna raise our next generation to be more equal or equitable actually? Um, and then of course, raising children of color. How are we gonna do that? It's a huge, a huge topic on its own probably need to talk about it some other time but I think about it all the time how am I going to support my brown children my my children of color to to navigate themselves in this white world a white world not in sense of academically speaking and in in white spaces in white education systems in white working places how how are they going to do that and how can I as a parent support them because I, I mean, I'm not blaming my parents because they didn't know any other way. 
But I do feel if I had that support system, that if my parents had known about all these systems and how we were so so in like almost stuck in them, they'd be able to. They would have been able to support me better, rather than saying, "Oh, put your head down, work hard, and you're going to get somewhere. Be quiet, don't resist, just do what you need to be told, and just get where you want to be." And and I was told that I was told that you you might have to work twice as hard, you have to get those brilliant grades, otherwise you won't be seen as a girl, as a as a Muslim girl, as a girl with hijab, as a brown girl, blah blah blah. And I I want to really find, and I think I have to educate myself as well as a parent, how I can raise anti-racist children, how I can raise more woke children. I don't know <laughs> the word to you. I don't know. More wake people, humans. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's really difficult. New territory. I have no idea. I won't know the outcome. I don't know if I myself will be able to do it, or if one day I will see the results and I will see my child saying something horribly racist or horribly. I don't know, sexist. Oh, oh my God. I'm not looking forward to it. I hope these moments won't ever come, but huge responsibility. You and Saad will be very perceptive and insightful parents to guide your kids if Hopefully. those situations arise. Thank you so much for answering our questions, Zarish. Um, we just really appreciate and value everything you said. And thanks, Sabrina, for hosting this. I know you love hosting. I think there's so many other topics that we could dive in, like, uh, I don't know, something as simple as, I don't know, I've been lately started to think about accessible buildings more since I have a push chair. So that made me more conscious about disabled people with a wheelchair, wheelchair users who, um, I mean, I, I went to the dentist once and they didn't have accessible entrance. So I, I dragged the pusher up the stairs while oh. Rashad was sleeping in it, stuff like that. And I, I, I feel like being a parent, they, you, you step on, you, you face moments where you really challenge yourself. And I think being a parent is all about challenging yourself. And there's so many things to learn. And you thought you knew it all, but then you, See something else and you learn a new thing so that's that's what it is it's a journey so thank you for for being on that journey with me mm-hmm.